0: 48 hours. These are the most critical moments to find you in the event of an emergency or worse. Waiting for the legal process to access your important history or information can take
1: weeks. We want to tell you about a useful platform called helpyoufind.me. It pretty much allows users to have their own secure and encrypted digital if I go missing file. You can give access to your most trusted people so that, God forbid, if you go missing, they can access that information.
0: Each person you share it with have their own access rules and everything is completely encrypted. Not even helpyoufind.me can access it. This puts you in total control of your data. You can also update your location, travel, and flight details, and even submit photos and screenshots,
1: for example. You can quickly add info to your Uber ride. So I have an account, and I've been using it, and I love the amount of information you can include. There's even a special note section where you can jot down any specific worries. For example, has anyone been harassing or threatening you lately? Or has someone made you feel uncomfortable? Things of this nature. Find out more at
0: www.helpyoufind.me slash USOFM and get a 20% discount when you sign up. Again, that's www.helpyoufind.me U-S-O-F-M. This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised.
1: And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Delaware discussing America's first murder by mail. Then, we'll talk about a would-be serial killer. Buckle up and join
0: us on this dark and twisted ride through the first state.
1: Intimate betrayal is a pain unlike any other. It strikes at the core of our ability to trust and to love without reservation. A betrayal can be psychologically traumatizing, and studies have shown that psychological traumas have the capacity to affect brain functioning even long after the event occurs. When humans are betrayed, they have a choice to make. They can either grow as a person, learn from it, and attempt to move on, or they can take a different path, a darker one. Some people withdraw completely, and others viciously lash out, especially when rejection is involved. As written by William Congreve, Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. I'm going to take you back today to the late 1800s and tell you about one of the most infamous murders in Dover's history, which also happens to be the first murder in the country to be committed using the U.S. mail. The, using the mail? hmm Using the postal service. Cordelia Botkin was born in Polk County, Missouri, which is just north of Springfield, in 1854. She ended up moving to San Francisco in California, of course. This is where she met and married her husband named Welcome Botkin. His first name was Welcome. And they had one son together. One day in 1895, 41-year-old Cordelia was sitting on a bench in Golden State Park when she noticed a man who broke down on his bicycle. This man was a big flirt and used this opportunity to strike up a conversation with Cordelia while he was fixing his bike. Get a flat. His chain came off. See, that's the thing. It's these old articles, nothing really said.
0: When you were a kid.
1: And your chain came and your off. Your chain came off. Mm-hmm. I
0: know and exactly. then you would fix it and you'd feel like you needed a. Like a sign-up in your yard for all the neighborhood kids. You were the bike shop now. (laughs) The bike shop. (laughs) Maybe that was just me. I feel
1: like there was- I'm like, oh, your chain came off? Come on. I can do it. Come over. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, my gosh. Well, this guy used this opportunity to flirt, and he struck up a conversation with Cordelia while he was fixing his bike. Whatever he said worked because he made a date with her. So, this man was 32-year-old John Preston Dunning. So a little younger than her, nine years, her junior, and he was a foreign war correspondent for the Associated Press. That sounds hot. That seems like a big job for a 32-year-old, doesn't it? That sounds super hot, other than the (laughs) fact that he was on a bicycle. He was running the West Coast Bureau, so he was a big deal. He was probably super hot. Well, I mean, for that time, it's kind of hard to, to tell. I don't know. He spent most of his free time gambling and cheating. <laughs> Not hard. You're like, "Oh, this is why yeah. all the red flags." Yeah, so he had a wife named Mary, and she was married. Yep, they were both
0: married. Well, then doesn't it cancel itself out if you're both cheating? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm single, so I'm just asking.
1: Well, it's a it was a whole situation and he was so he was married, he would openly cheat on his wife. She didn't necessarily know it, but when he was away from her, he would just He didn't care.
0: I don't feel like a lot of things have changed with some men.
1: That's true. Well, Cordelia knew he was married. They both knew. And it didn't keep her from dating John. Instead of calling her Cordelia, John called her Ada because he said that she looked just like a former lover of his named Ada. He called her an ex-girlfriend's name Mm -hmm. and he was Mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. He called her an ex-mistress's name, Ada, instead of her name because they looked alike. That's like the Will and
0: Grace whenever she tells Molly Shannon's on there and she tells Jack her name
1: and he's like, I don't like that. I'm going to call you Bettina. (laughs) You don't just change people's names. And not someone you're going to be in a relationship with. Uh, In any form. And they kept seeing each other. And he kept calling her Ada. Yes. This wasn't like a one-night stand or anything.
0: So... I can my face. I could not imagine if I met a dude and he's like, you know what? I know your name's Ashley, but I'm going to call you Amy because that's my ex-girlfriend's name. You look like
1: her. You may as well be Amy. So you're Amy. This is hilarious. Continue. He kept seeing Cordelia and his wife, Mary, found out and she was done. She was over it. She was very religious. She didn't approve of the cheating. She left him and moved back to Delaware, where she was from, with her father. And he was a former U.S. congressman in Dover. So they didn't have children. <clears throat> they did have a child. Oh, they had a daughter. Yeah. So she took the daughter, too, yeah. and went back. So Cordelia had a strained marriage. Oh, and. Shit. They were basically estranged, so he did support her financially. He was a grain broker and lived in Stockton, California, and they didn't really live together. They might stay in that home every now and then, but it's not like they had a traditional marriage. Which may have been why she was having an affair. Exactly, and it didn't get into de- descriptions, but I mean, he... He was, he was never home and always Yeah, gone. they lived in different cities and different yeah. homes and... But John ended up moving in with Cordelia, and her husband, Welcome, was fine with that. Like he knew, he knew that she had a boyfriend, and then her boy. Hey, if they're not, their house isn't worried about it. We're not worried. about Yeah. It. So I mean, there wasn't. It's kind of it's sticky, but it's not because he knew. So he mm-hmm. was probably Welcome. He was probably was doing probably the doing same thing. thing. And they had a child too. They had a son. Okay. So I guess you could call it. It's an open marriage. Mm-hmm. They didn't put a label on it in the 1800s. No labels. No labels. But anyway, this arrangement was working out fine for Cordelia. Well, until she discovered John was a heavy drinker and a gambling addict. Mm. Yeah. So, in fact, he ended up getting fired by the Associated Press when they found out that he embezzled $4,000 in office funds to pay off his gambling debts. I looked it up. That would be the equivalent of, of over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars today. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a lot of gambling debt for a person to have. And believe it or not, they ended up giving John another chance when the Spanish American War broke out in eighteen ninety eight. The Associated Press rehired John to be the lead reporter. Cordelia was devastated because. Even though he was headed for Puerto Rico, he told her that he was leaving her for good. He decided to reconcile with his wife, Mary, before he left. And he decided to wait until he was with Cordelia at the train station, saying their goodbyes before he told her. Yeah, like, sorry, I'm going to go. Dirty. I know. Dog. And then he just (sighs) got on the train and left. Yes, exactly. He waited (sighs) until he was about to leave her for good to say. He's a coward. Oh, yeah. And he told her. When the war's over, I'm going to go back to Delaware, and I'm going to be with my wife and my daughter. We've reconciled. John was separated from Mary for a, around three years. That's pretty much how long he was with Cordelia, and th- but they had been exchanging letters almost every single day, that entire time. So they were friends or mm-hmm. pals. It's kind yeah. of complicated, but John didn't know this, but Cordelia was busy sending Mary letters too, but hers were anonymous. She was anonymously sending letters. The whole, yeah, it's this case is so wild. So she would write Mary, telling her that John was always with a pretty woman, and this woman was a, divorcing her husband to be with him. And what a shift. She was stirring the pot, and she was pretty much wanting Mary to cut ties with John. You know, like once like, and for she- all, like do not come back. You're. Not going to change your ways, but the letters did not bother Mary like she thought they would, so she decided to send her next letter with a gift. One nice day in August, Mary was on the porch in Delaware with her sister Ida and their children when the mail arrived. She had a pretty pink package with a ribbon across the top, and the word bonbons was written in gold cursive. There was a letter attached that said, With love to yourself and baby, dash Mrs. C. She opened the box. Sure enough, it was filled with fancy bonbons. She loved candy. She immediately ate three of these bonbons. That would be... I would actually probably eat the whole box. <laughs> Who am I going to lie? Like in today's bonbons, that In today's that would be bonbon seven. currency, I would eat seven. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So her sister was there and had two. And others were on the porch. She shared with them. She had a few left over, kept it in the box. Well just a couple of hours later Mary and her sister felt terrible. Everyone did that ate the bonbons but they felt the worst. They were in complete agony they were throwing up had severe stomach pains it was it was bad. Well Mary died the next morning and her sister died the day after that. Oh my god. Yeah so authorities since they all had one thing in common they checked Mm-mm. the chocolates that were remaining and discovered that arsenic was shoved inside each bonbon mm so four other people tried the chocolates including two children and they survived they were all sick but mary and her sister had more than everyone else mary had 3 which she died first ida had 2 she died second and everyone else was sick and did not Mm-mm. die but it's oh my god i know I know. So John got word of the news and immediately returned home. He admitted to having at least three affairs while he was in San Francisco, but he thought Cordelia may have been the one to commit this crime. Well, Mary's father thought the handwriting on the note looked familiar, so he checked Cordelia's drawers and found that it matched some of the taunting letters that she had kept, the ones Cordelia was writing to Mm. her. And police were able to trace the chocolates to a shop in San Francisco based on the box they came in. And the shop owner led them straight to Cordelia. He remembered her. So when the police went to arrest her, she was in the middle of her third outfit change of the day. And when they told her, you're busted, she said, I can't even. This is so 1800s. The chagrin is past. The horror is over. I have suffered all the humiliation. I'm ready, and then she sunk into the couch. <gasps> Instead of shoving her into a police car, they let her pack a big, heavy trunk filled with beautiful clothes and accessories. Well, yeah, she needed accessories. Yeah, you need accessories. She was allowed to wear pretty dresses in there. No jumpsuits then. No nope. orange. Nope. She was wearing the big hat with the feather, the brooch, the big yeah, yeah. I'll post her mugshots. But there's something else. She was wearing all these things. Well, she was also allowed to have a lot of guests while she was in jail. I know. Like, what's happening? What? What's happening? And there are rumors that she was able to leave her cell to enjoy a day of shopping. This, this woman is not jail. This is not jail. I know. And rumor has it she was given these extra privileges because of the favors she was giving to the guards. Sexual favors. This wasn't ever confirmed, but that's what people said. So, since she lived in California, but the murders actually occurred in Delaware, the Delaware police wanted her to be tried there. But her lawyers successfully argued that since she's never been in Delaware, never stepped foot in the state, she should stay in California. Even though at first it didn't seem like they had much evidence, they ended up finding the exact string and paper used for the letter at her home. Mm-hmm. And they found the seal of the candy box there. She got rid of that trying to disguise the box, but she didn't completely throw it away. Turns out the summer after John left her, she went to the Owl Drug Store and purchased two ounces of powdered arsenic. On July 31st in 1989, she bought a box of chocolates from the Market Street candy store in San Francisco. She asked the clerk to pack them in a plain box and leave enough room for a present. Next, she went to a store called the City of Paris and bought a handkerchief. I don't know why she did that, but anyway. After inserting the poison inside the bonbon, she packaged it all up neatly, mailed it to Mary, and she signed the note as being from Mrs. C because once John had mentioned that Mary had a friend in San Francisco named Mrs. Corbelly. Mm-hmm. So. And she, he had also mentioned in passing that Mary loved chocolates. So she was keeping track of all this. Cordelia, of course, did not put a mailing adri- or a return address when she mailed the package. And it took just five days to arrive to Dover, Delaware. I mean, San Francisco to Do- Dover, Delaware in five days. That's faster than it is that's, now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, that's What's faster. going on? On December 30, 1898, Judge Cook found Cordelia Botkin guilty of two counts of murder in the first degree. On February 4th, he handed her a life sentence. She appealed and was granted a retrial in 1904. Didn't make a difference. She was sentenced to life in prison. She was sent to prison in San Francisco, but in 1906, there was an earthquake, so she was transferred to San Quentin State Prison. But she ended up dying in 1910. And the official cause was listed as softening of the brain due to melancholia. The guard said she was, essentially, she was refusing to eat. She was dejected. She wasn't talking. She just was sitting in there. Yeah. So she had a lot of, her child died. Her mother died. John ended up dying. He actually, his career was destroyed. He ended up dying in 1908 in Philadelphia. So two years before she died. So almost everyone in her life had died. Yeah. And so she just basically gave up. Stopped eating and all that stuff. So these were the first murders in the country to be committed using the U.S. mail. Yeah. And they were dubbed as the chocolate candy murders.
0: Interesting. I
1: have never heard of this case. I have never heard of this case. I read a really good article by Katie Down on sfgate.com, a Medium article by Heather Monroe, Delaware Online, and Historical Crime Detective. But... Did she think that if they died, he would just go back to her and not suspect anything? She probably I mean, thought if
0: they died, then she they wouldn't have left to begin with. He wouldn't have left to begin with.
1: And I do, it wasn't ever clear if she knew that he had also had two other affairs while he was in San Francisco. Right. This shows you that people were a mess even people avoid, <laughs> as, yes. as long mm-hmm. as time. Oh, Anyway, I'm eager to hear your Delaware case. All right. Here we go.
0: On September 2nd, 1994, 29-year-old Sandra Lee Long answered a knock at her door. It was Brian Steckle, a friend of a neighbor who was staying across the hall from Sandra in the Driftwood Club apartments. Hey, can I use your phone, he asked. I know this is very foreign, To most people, but back in the old days, not everybody had a phone. So it was not unusual for for neighbors to use your phone Mm -hmm. from time to time. So, of course, Sandra says sure and lets Brian come inside. He goes over to the phone, pretends to be dialing, and rips it out of the wall. He demands that Sandra do sexual things. And when she says absolutely not, he attacks her. He picks her up and throws her across the room. So Brian was 6'3 and like 200 pounds. So he wasn't a a little dude. Mm -hmm. No way she could have beat him off. But Sandra did fight back and she bites his finger. Doesn't work. He grabs a pair of pantyhose and tries to strangle her with them. But they rip. So he grabs a tube sock (sighs) and chokes her until she's unconscious. Next, Brian savagely rapes Sandra with a screwdriver that he had brought with him, and then he sodomizes her. <sighs> God. Once he's finished his attack on her, he sets the bed on fire.
1: To burn evidence, I
0: like what the fuck is it with these people setting everybody and everything yeah. on fire? This is like the 50th case I've done where people mm-hmm. set people on fire. So, he watches the fire for a minute before he leaves the apartment. Sandra is still alive. She wakes up and begins to scream and cry out. There just happens to be a tree trimmer walking by, sees the fire, hears her screams, runs over, kicks in the window, and tries to get into Sandra. Wow. The fire was too much. It was burning way too hot. He was choking on the smoke. It was burning him. So, he... He could reach her and was actually holding her hand, but he couldn't pull her out. Another man, who was actually one of Sandra's co-workers, was also at the complex. And he runs over and tries to help, but like the other guy, the flames and the smoke way too much. He can't get her out either. Firemen come and put out the flames, but Sandra is dead. The medical examiner said she died from smoke inhalation and burns to over 60% of her body. Later that evening, a man calls the local newspaper and identifies himself as the Driftwood Killer and gives details of Sandra's murder that only the perpetrator would know.
1: Really? I mean, you're going to go through the... You're burning the crime scene, I would assume, to get rid of evidence, and then you're calling? Uh-huh. Okay. I know. It's,
0: it's bizarre. So, he tells the reporter that he knows who his next victim is oh and gosh. gives the reporter the woman's name. This reporter calls the police. She gives them the girl's name and they place her in protective custody.
1: Could you imagine being that girl?
0: That the cops just show up and yeah. they're like, hey, somebody. Oh, No, my goodness. how No, ter- how terrifying. Ugh. So, this woman tells the police that she's actually been getting harassing phone calls over the past couple of weeks. Like... Dirty, Mm. harassing, nasty, foul mouthed phone calls. They were able to trace her phone calls and the one that the reporter got back to Brian. A warrant is issued for his arrest for harassment, and they pick him up a few days later. He was drunk and stumbling down a road when they picked him up. The next day, once he'd slept off his drunkenness, the police question him. And he immediately waves his Miranda rights and confesses to Sandra's murder. First of all, dummy, don't wave your Miranda rights because it will come back and bite you in the ass. No, no yeah, matter no, what, like yeah. you, there's no way to go back from that. Once you say, I mean, Brian also confesses. Brian says, and I quote, I took her fucking life, man. She didn't deserve to die. There's something wrong with me. Inside of me, and I just go off the fucking handle, man. And I guess now I've finally been stopped. Brian also confesses to six other murders in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maine, Las Vegas, Florida, and California. He says you can connect all of these murders by my trademark. I bite the butts of my victims. What? He said, I'm an animal. I like hurting people, and if you let me go, I'll go out there and do it again. Your face.
1: Just, I mean, he, he s- seems like there's no way he could have committed six murders. He well,
0: he would later backtrack
1: and okay, say that he, he didn't. just seems so. He, say, he would
0: claim he was drunk whenever they interrogated him, oh and he, my gosh. yeah. Brian was bullied as a child. Not that that's an excuse, no. but he was bullied relentlessly for his red hair, and it made him mean. That's what he says. Being being bullied because he it, had red hair. Okay. Made him mean.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: So investigators were able to determine he was lying about five of the murders he claimed to commit. Mm. They were able to determine that he was lying about five of these murders that he claimed he committed. But one of them, in 1994, Brian's 44-year-old neighbor went missing from her home and her body has never been found. Brian confessed to raping and killing her. So, hmm. Listen to this. This is insane. So this neighbor that I'm talking about, her husband, she was married. Her husband gets up to take a shower that morning before work and he come gets out of the shower and comes back in the bedroom and she's gone. She's just gone. Mm-hmm. That's weird. And no one's ever seen her since that day. What? And they're Um,
1: assuming she was murdered because.
0: She's just disappeared. Like she got raptured.
1: Some leftovers.
0: It's, It's like, first of all, how long were you in the shower, sir? I mean, men take forever to get ready. We've established that. But you didn't hear anything? Nothing. He didn't hear anything. So, and Bron says that he raped and murdered her. He confessed to it. Hmm. But I'm like, you went into this house with this couple and took her while her husband's in the shower?
1: <sighs> See, it's hard to ever believe anything they say.
0: Well, you never know. And then it's almost like. Because it's
1: possible. It's possible. But then it's also like, did the husband do it?
0: I mean, you were in the shower. Mm, I yeah, mean. Gosh. This man came into your house and kidnapped your whole wife. And her
1: body's never been found? Nope. Wow. Okay.
0: So, Brian's DNA was found on Sandra's door, on the pantyhose, Mm -hmm. the lighter used to start the fire, and the screwdriver he assaulted her with. And all of those things were found where Brian said he had hid them. A forensic dentist was called in and matched Sandra's dental records to the bite mark on Brian's finger. He was charged with three counts of first degree murder, one count of intentional murder, and one count of felony murder. The men that attempted to save Sandra also testified at the trial. Brian seemed to enjoy the whole thing, like the trial he he liked the attention he <sighs> would threaten and spit on everybody around him. first of all
1: Mm-mm, I'd be spit if on somebody spit
0: on me i that is the grossest rudest thing I feel like you could do to anybody. I'm surprised people weren't fighting him back. Just to spit on... Mm -hmm. Oh, no. I'm going to whoop your ass. Don't you ever spit on me. So he was found guilty of all charges and is sentenced to death. And when they read that, he just smiles. Wow. So during his time in prison, waiting on death row, he mails a copy of Sandra's autopsy report to her mother, along with a note saying, read it and weep. She's gone forever. Don't cry over burned flesh. Ugh,
1: the fuck is don't wrong they... with you? Okay, first of all, though, don't they examine the mail before they prisoners get it and receive it? I thought they did that. I mean,
0: probably for, like, contraband and drugs, but I don't think they read letters. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, I he had true.
0: access to all of that's the information hilarious. if he wanted to look at his own case. Like, he's got access to all that legally. Wow. But yeah, wrote that note and mailed her autopsy report to her mother. Mm,
1: that's just, lo-
0: that's low, low, low. So he continues to appeal his case and it's rejected <laughs> over and over again. Oh, yeah. On November the 4th, 2005. Brian releases his final statement saying that he is sorry oh. and he isn't the same that he was before. He's, he's changed. So shortly before midnight, he is led into the chamber, strapped to the gurney and prepped for lethal injection. He tells his cousin to tell his 12-year-old daughter no excuses. He has a child? He has a child, a 12-year-old. Ugh. So the machine starts to click, but he is still awake. The paralytic drugs that they gave him did not kick in. He makes several remarks to the witnesses. For instance, wow, I didn't know it would take this long. Then he begins to convulse as the drugs finally begin to work. And at 1221, he is pronounced dead. And there's like a whole like lawsuit against the prison Mm -hmm. because they say that that paralytic drug not working made him. He was conscious and he felt that extreme pain of his heart stopping from the lethal injection drugs that they give him.
1: Well, I They're thought- saying they fucked
0: up, basically. And the prison's response is, "No, no, no. We we did that on purpose because we wanted to give him more time with his family." No, you didn't. You you're
1: see, stuff I thought- messed up. <laughs> I thought the paralytic drug just. Paralyze them and they could feel everything terrible and then. No, no, no.
0: You're not, no. They're given like different, I I don't know exactly what they're given, but they're given different drugs to basically put them to sleep before they're Mm -hmm. put to death. Mm -hmm. To alleviate the pain, the panic
1: to all that.
0: I mean, you just can't.
1: I watched a an episode of John Oliver not that long ago about the lethal injection thing. I forgot all of it. But I mean I, f- I know it's um it's not as cut and dry as it seems. No, it's not. And and I feel like this is also a very
0: touchy subject to people. I have never thank God lost anyone in a horrific way, such as a murder mm-hmm. or a rape or you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never had anything like that happen to anyone that I'm close to and I'm quite sure these people are like I want them to suffer I want them to feel everything you know which is understandable they did that to your loved ones so but legally Mm -hmm. we can't be animals and make someone suffer they have to go about it a
1: humane way you know what I'm saying yeah so well and then as we know not everyone that get sentenced to death actually Right. Is guilty right. so you have to think people that have been executed some of those people were innocent. completely innocent 100% 100% so, yeah i'm i'm that way where i can't speak for anyone that has a family member no, that was and murdered no me either
0: i can't even yeah. imagine and if it were my sister that this yeah. happened to
1: i may be like good yeah it's hard to put yourself in in that perspective really but i'm from a just from a legal point yeah yeah they
0: have to i mean they have to be able to do it in a humane way mm-hmm. we're not strapping people to the electric chair anymore we're not hanging people oh my gosh we're not you know what i'm saying like Mm-mm. we're not doing that Any, anyways yeah. awful 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 yeah so that's that's my
1: case wow a screwdriver and then you set that's- her on fire he definitely sounds like a sociopath. I mean, well, I don't know anything about his medical history, but. Uh, and everything that I read, you know, it,
0: it, it was just him claiming that he, and he had planned on murdering this other girl and doing God knows what to her. Mm-hmm. And he possibly could have murdered his yeah, neighbor. Yeah. So if they wouldn't have caught him. Mm-hmm. He could have been... Yeah, he could have been a, a Definitely killer. a serial killer. Wow. But he's not a very good criminal because as soon as that's, they arrested yeah. him and were like, hey, did you make these phone calls? He's like, all right, you got me. I'm to hurt that girl. I
1: mean... Yeah, that's why when you're like in... He said he killed... Gary Ridgway wasn't mm-mm. the smartest person either, but he got killed several... I mean, I don't know. It's Sometimes you're just shocked at how... Oh. How long they can get away with something. But this guy, yeah, I, would, I don't know. Well... Delaware. Who knew? Delaware. Who knew have you Delaware? Been to Delaware
0: I have not. Have you? Mm
1: mm-hmm. And? It took about five minutes. To get- <laughs> Through the no. whole state. No, no, no. <laughs> but it was I can't remember where we were. we were going somewhere north and paid some tolls. We got some I can't remember the brewery there. Uh Dogfish Head? Is that it? I don't know. Oh crap. I don't drink beer. Some brewery was important to Samuel to try. I'm Googling this real fast because now I have to know. Dogfish Head. Do, do, do. Yes. It's located in Milton, Delaware. That's, That's where right. you went? I, don't, I can't remember if we stopped somewhere and picked it up or we probably went to the brewery because you can get Dogfish Head here. I don't know. Very cool. I digress. But yes, I've been through Delaware. So where are we next week? We haven't decided yet.
0: Oklahoma.
1: Okay, that's a good one.
0: We're right. We're it's right I Was, can't
1: believe we haven't covered Oklahoma. I know, yet. and it's just right here. It's, it borders us. Yeah. Hmm. I've been. I went through the whole. Well, not the whole state, but most of it. Not that little panhandle at the top. But oh, th- of Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, I've been through, when we went to uh, New Mexico, we drove through it. But I've been through
0: Oklahoma. I've been to yeah. Oklahoma just a couple times. Yeah.
1: It's it's it's, there. it's Oklahoma. <laughs> it's Oklahoma.
0: <laughs>
1: is this the home of the tornadoes listen it really is oh Mm-mm. my gosh Mm-mm. anyway we have two new patrons yay yes we have heather a from north carolina hi heather hi heather thank you so much for our first north carolinian exactly and ashley t
0: hi ashley great name Okay, <laughs> we're not saying your whole last name on here
1: just because, but it rhymes with your last name,
0: so... Yeah, Lacey sends me a message and it's like, did you just join Patreon? I'm like, what? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but hi, Ashley, we're happy to have you yes, here. Yes, we are. P.S. DM me your address so we can send you some stickers. I don't know where she's from, but... It's a mystery. It's a, it's a my mama miss. It's an it's you. Now I'm just. <laughs> right. I'm gonna, just gonna be saying.
0: like. You're gonna be like.
1: I knew it. Oh gosh. <laughs> and we have a birthday announcement. Katie B, our patron from Wisconsin, bought us cocktails. But for on to celebrate her birthday, which is so cool. Well, thank you. Happy birthday, happy Katie. birthday, we hope Katie. We have an awesome birthday. It's um. It's October 28th, which for us, it's tomorrow, but this will come out later. But anyway, I love a good Scorpio. Yes, she does. It's Scorpio season. I asked Samuel the other day, I'm like, do I seem stronger to you? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. And what are we drinking? So I made, I don't, okay, I'm calling it Spider's Venom. It's good. Spider Venom. It is Rocktown Vodka. Man, what is it? And and she made off seven hundred juices. Rocktown vodka, orange juice, grapefruit juice, just a little bit, a little bit of lime juice, a lot of seltzer water, and berries. And then I put a little elderflower liqueur in there. It was good. But, yeah, it, it looked red. I put some food coloring in there, so it, it looked spooky. Good. So you this concludes our spooky drink. You know, I'm a hard critic on your drink. <laughs> you are. I'm always like, oh, my God. It I'm was sweating. good. i No, it was really I good. I tried to make it not super sweet and with vodka. I Again, approve. I found it on the Internet, and I kind of threw my own thing in there. But, anyway, mm-hmm. thank you, Heather. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Katie. You thank you all are amazing Aww. it's we hope you had a good halloween we're recording this in the past so we haven't had ours yet but we hope everyone has a safe and spooky halloween and a couple of our prizes will still be going on at this time of our giveaway and i guess since we're going to have so help you find out me they're going to join our giveaway and collab with us and give Away a year subscription,
0: which is pretty awesome.
1: Really, yeah, it's like one hundred and fifty nine dollars plus tax. Like that's the how much a normal yearly mm -hmm. subscription is. And I mean, it's really neat. Put your all your info if you're going on an overseas trip. You can have someone back home that kind of knows where you're going. If I had a kid in college or something, oh, this would be like right up my alley. I mean, it's good for anybody. But that's the person that ended up creating it. I'm pretty sure that's what they said that they made it for because their daughter was going overseas. And I think it's a you fantastic. Know. It's really neat, but you can even put your Uber driver's information, your, your flight, your, your flight, random notes, stuff about you. If you go, it's basically an, if you go missing file, but on the internet and it's encrypted. So it's not like someone can just hack into it.
0: If you are going on a trip to meet someone that you met on Tinder,
1: hmm You could
0: put your info on there. hmm Just saying. Yeah.
1: That happens. Yeah, it does. I'm not doing that. So I know this is gonna go out in November, which is my birthday month. Hey. And uh, but I watched the conjuring um is it the fourth one or the third one? Which one? What is it? The What's newest it one. The newest conjuring. The devil made me do it? Yes, the devil made me uh-huh. do it. Have you seen uh-huh. it yet? I watched that on HBO Max the other day. And it was okay. It's not great. I mean, it's if you like The Conjuring, watch it. You know, it's worth watching, but it's not, like, groundbreaking. No, it's not. It's not groundbreaking, no. Yeah. It's okay. Like I,
0: just, I have not watched a scary movie in so long that made me have heart palpitations. I totally
1: agree. But I will say, the other night while I was typing up my notes for background noise, I like having the TV on, I put on Hell House LLC. Have you seen that? Girl, that sounds like a B-movie. What channel is it on? No, it was on It was on Netflix, I think. It, it would have to be somewhere streaming. It was actually freaking me out. I'm not one to easily get... It was a lot of the jump scares. Is a demon. The scary costumes. and It's boogers? Boogermans, yeah. Okay, I like boogermans. It was freaking me out. It's like found footage type of thing. Oh. For some reason, that kind of freaks me out. I almost get put into that... Like it's real life or something. I don't know how to explain it. But I was just typing my notes and I'm like, okay, I can't do this. This is actually. And now I want to watch I that. I only don't get Hell House out. LLC. Hell house, LLC. It's just a lot Terrible of the, name. The, I know. That's why I haven't seen it because I'm like, this name sucks so yeah. bad. But it's because these people go to this haunted house called Hell House LLC. It's a haunted house, like a fake haunted house. But then stuff starts happening and Mm-mm. lots of jump scares, which was actually effective on me. Okay. I'm going to have to watch it. It's, if you want to get freaked out. I mean, it I'm was sold. freaking me out. I'm normally not. I, I want to be freaked like, out. <laughs> and you be- know, it's like, you know, the scary music's playing. You know, something's about to turn its head and look at you. And then it does. And you're like, I knew that was going to happen. I'm, I'm sold. But I'm still, I was still freaked out. Scary mask. Adding it to my cue right now on my phone. Yeah. The name sucks. The Hell House. Hell House, LLC. LLC. <laughs> oh, but anyway. So follow us on United States of Murder on Instagram and then at US of M podcast. Lies, it's not on here. Hell, what? it's not on Netflix. Are you sure it's
0: not on HBO Max?
1: Maybe it's on the Amazon Prime. I watched I it somewhere. Have, I don't have that one.
0: I'll find it. Anyway, sorry. Yes, follow us on all the things. Follow us
1: on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. We'll post our giveaways. We still have a couple of days left on that that you can enter in, but bye. Bye.